So I want to become a dog trader. Oh, yeah? But when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. Oh, PACT if you love dogs like we do too. PACT we are indeed the place for you. PACT it's time to take that leap of faith. PACT delay no further while you wait. Come find us at packed-dogs.com. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about the dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop till we're gone. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop, we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop. Hello, Natalie Light. Hello, Stephen Goodall. Fancy meeting you here. I know. Where, where? Have, I haven't seen you for what is it? A year? Like I know. In the podcast, well, we, haven't, well, we haven't been. Um, we haven't been in people's ears for a while, have we? No. How does it feel? We've been. Do we fit? <laughs> to, 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 I, def, I definitely don't fit as well I as I did. I definitely don't either. There's been lots of lockdown weight. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't blame you on that anymore can I covid covid was a while ago but um yeah welcome back everybody hello welcome welcome back and uh, I I'm excited are you excited I'm always excited I would do a little excited dance but it's you know so hot yeah. in bloody England at the moment it is ridiculous um, maybe you could just put a little excited noise in or something like a woo <laughs> I actually, I've got a fan just to the left of me that I can't, t- it's like taunting me because I can't turn it on. I thought on you because... meant like a person. No, no, I haven't got any of them. You yet. just you just I rent hope. someone to sit in the corner and go, Steve, I love you. Go Steve, go Steve, <laughs> go Steve. Oh, well, let's, let's address the elephant in the room. Not that anyone's going to be able to see this, but what do you think of my new facial hair? I love design? it. Did you so think? I w- when, you, when you sent me the photo, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if it was a... Uh, progressional photo so you decided to go no beard mm-hmm. and you were just testing out some looks along the way mm-hmm. um I'm glad you've stuck with it I like it very much what what's the what's the end goal is is that it to keep it short and neat well just so to fill in the listeners I now I've gone from beard uh beard to uh mustache uh-huh. um I've gone Mustachio. I've gone for the full Magnum PI vibes um without mm-hmm. any of the sort of looks um just the facial hair there's a, there's a bit of 
chin shadow as well. It's nice. It's, yeah, you know, I've got I've got to go for that. like a yeah. I haven't gone full on because I think Corin would have divorced me. Um, You've not was, gone full Tom Selleck. It was touch and go at. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, right? I I I I woke up the other day and I'm like, I'm hot. I've got a beard. My face is hot, and I'm like, I've just I'd also just been um uh, to Brighton. Um, this is great. Isn't it? We're going straight Did you see a rambling lots of tangent. Did you see lots of people with moustaches that you fancied? I saw, and, and you're like, I want to look like that. I saw a couple of men sporting a similar look, and I thought, do you know what? Um, I've never had an original thought in my life, so I thought, <laughs> I, I thought, why not steal someone's look? And yeah, they were they were handsome men. And I another thing is this: there's a lot of now in the dog training behaviour world, there is a lot of this bold bearded trainer man out there i thought you were gonna say there are a lot of moustaches and i'd cap myself in that <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what i mean everywhere i yeah. look everything i do you know look why, at Steve? they're all copying you mate well or like i said i think i think it's just the it's just the thing isn't it it's the the beard is the thing so i'm like i'm gonna step out of my comfort zone i'm going to you know uh i'm gonna i'm gonna be out there i'm gonna be out there on the fringes and just just be my, you know, be myself by copying someone else. <laughs> <laughs> I think it looks very smart and it suits you and I like it. Kyan said I look like uh, Super Mario. <laughs> <laughs> you do a little bit. Hey! I'll uh, tell you what, it's the red dungarees that do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, that that's changed for me, but only in the last couple of days. So, right. Okay. Look, um, it's brilliant to be back. Um, yeah, thank you, Bookshelvers. If anyone's coming and listen to this, great. You're you're awesome for hanging around. And um, can we just say sorry for disappearing out of your earlobes for yeah. a while? We've been a lot of busy. I think most people know that we listen to the podcast that obviously we took over Pact and that has been, woo, it's been a whirlwind, hasn't it? A wonderful, it wonderful whirlwind of... Um, great things um Wizzy, and, w- and many many um work commitments on top of that which meant we had to sort of hiatus ourselves a little bit out of the podcast because it does take a lot of time to produce this waffle um <laughs> you, <laughs> you might, might be surprised <laughs> to find out um, but we are back and the re one of the reasons we're back is that we have um as part of pact uh we have a in-person uh conference our first ever uh is it inaugural is that the right word i don't know what that means i don't know what that means anyways but i'm going to use it our inaugural (laughs) conference uh, i do know the word obviously but it's one of those words that you know you've got some words in your vocabulary that you're not 100 percent that you're using it in the right context so i just avoid it at all costs yeah like hi i um i you know when you read words and then you hear you hear someone say them you know the word hyperbole? Yes. I used to think that was hyperbole. Uh, and I would use, I'm swear, yeah. I, I swear I spent about four years using it in conversation. And whoever apparently I was talking to at the time didn't feel the need to correct me. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did exactly the same with um, inventory, but I called it inventory yeah. for a very long time again. But I read something the other day and it said, never berate anyone for mis. Um, Miss, never berate anyone for miss. Um, miss, never berate anyone for miss. Um, miss. Um, <laughs> Easy for you to say. What's the word? <laughs> miss. 
Miss, never berate anyone for miss, um, miss, mispronouncing. Miss, Pronouncing, yep. right? Never. Br- I start cut that out. Um, <laughs> so I read something the other day, Steve, and it said never berate someone for mispronouncing a word because no. it meant they read it. It's a good shout. That is See? a good shout. Yeah, yeah. It's like what um, of wisdom. Facebook is. It's like it's. I've been. I've been annoyed recently at people. Um, I, this will depend on your Facebook al- algorithm, but if you've watched Stranger Things, um, I'm not going to give any spoilers if you haven't. But there's an excellent scene in there where um, the the background music is I'm not going to say Kate Bush because we all know the Kate Bush one, but it's Metallica mm-hmm. in the last one. Mm-hmm. So there's like, this great scene with like demon bats and Metallica are playing, and people that like their sort of heavy metal stuff are quite sort of um, I don't know what the right word is precious about it. And uh, mm-hmm. but apparently, a lot of people have kind of got into Metallica off the back of that. And they're they're kind of going, oh, you're not real heavy metal fans, you know, you weren't there mm. in 1986 or whenever it was, like sort of released. <laughs> and I, I I don't like that because, like, you know, what do you know? They, these people are finding it out. It's good. This is yeah. good. This is how this is how music works. Like, you know, if you if you got into a band because you heard them on a TV show, that's that's just as valid a way as getting into a band because you saw them in the Bay Area in 1986 when they had their original bass player. You know, exactly. It's, anyway, yeah. I have rambled right on there, haven't I? So that's okay. Conference, the Connecting yeah. Communities Conference, twenty twenty two, sixteenth of October, University of Winchester. Talk me through what our what our plan is now, what the idea is, what the what the vision is. So we have in our lifetimes been to lots of different conferences, and they've mm. all been wonderful for various reasons. And we are trying to uh, take all of the best bits and. Uh, uh, shoehorn them into our day so that everyone can have a great time so what we decided when we sat around and had a think about conferences is it's always a shame when you don't get enough time to talk to people because mm-hmm. you sat there sat there listening Defo. um sometimes talks just go on a little bit too long mm. i've fallen asleep at conferences not for the not because i wasn't interested in what i know was it's just you're hot, you're in the room, it's yeah. like you've had yeah. your lunch, maybe you even had a glass of wine at lunch. Yeah. And you know, you're like mm-hmm. a little bit like that, you know. And then when you wake up, the 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 speaker's staring right at you. And then you relive one of those <laughs> school nightmares. Did you ever used to do that at school? <laughs> anyway, I digress. But yeah, no, I know what mate. you mean. I'm so- a complete geek. Why would I fall asleep at school? I was awake for every moment, savouring every and second. And again, I'm not saying it was boring, far from it, but I just find, you know, that long yeah. sitting in one place for too well, long. Well, we're, we're all outdoorsy people. That's why we yeah. like working with animals. And so being stuck in a lecture theatre all day isn't always conducive to good uh, mental health and keeping everybody uh, interested. So what we've done is we've um, put together some fantastic speakers and you're going to hear uh, each of them over the series of, of the sort of short podcasts that we're going to put out. Yeah. Um, and we've got subjects that are useful for people from all walks of life that just love dogs. So if you're working with dogs, we've got talks about um how you can incorporate good business business practice, how you, you can ensure uh, good relationships with your clients, how you can network with the veterinary community and rescue community. Um, 
And then if you're just interested in dogs, because quite frankly, who isn't? We've got um, not only those talks that you could take elements from as as guardians and, you know, change um, maybe some things in yours and your dog's life to to improve uh, the happiness that you share together. But we've got uh, stalls. We've got um, networking opportunities. We've got little activities to get everybody talking and, you know, rubbing along together nicely. And we just want to have a great day. Yeah. And so those of you that are thinking, oh, my God, in-person conferences are a nightmare because I always get worried and I, I you know, don't want to bump into the wrong person and all sorts. We have a, a massive space where we're going to have a quiet area as well. So if you just if you're not into the networking part, or you just need 10 minutes, you know, of not being bombarded with questions. Um, you can go up there and eat your lunch in, in peace um, or just, you know, collect your thoughts, check your phone, all that kind of stuff. So we're hoping that we're catering for all sorts of different um, people in terms of their interests, but also their well-being and their uh, requirements is completely accessible. We're trying to be as inclusive as, as we can. So everyone's welcome. Buy your tickets. Was that a good enough sell? That's brilliant. I'm so excited. It is ridiculous. The venue that we're holding it in is a wonderful place. Mm -hmm. um, it's the Stripe Auditorium, isn't it? In um, in the Winchester University campus. Yes. And it's great. I've been there to see um, a few talks myself with you. Actually, you know, I'm like. Mm -hmm a few times and it's wonderful um it's very grand it's got a stage very good it's got a stage oh lovely yes, it yes. <laughs> this is good <laughs> um so yeah i'm really really excited so obviously we're back with the podcast we are going to be doing some book reviews um as well going back to normal business but we thought this would be a nice way of um a advertising yes it's dirty word isn't it but yes that's what mm -hmm. we are doing a little bit so advertising our conference and hoping that some people will want to come along and 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 get a bit of interest out of that because you will enjoy yourselves and b introducing you guys to some of the wonderful people that are going to be speaking at our conference so whether you come or not you're still going to hear about them and what they do which brings us nicely to today's episode mm -hmm. where we are joined by the wonderful Suzanne Rogers she is wonderful. Now, nor normally at this point, we would do a little bit of Suzanne facts, a little bio, which I have printed out and would be ready to read. But actually, and this is going to be breaking down the fourth wall a little bit, we've already done the interview with Suzanne. And during the interview, <gasps> she does a pretty good uh, bio for herself. So in her own words. So rather than me waffle on and mess my words up reading the bio out, I think it's probably best to leave it to Suzanne herself. What do you reckon that, yeah? I think it was such an amazing intro to her amazing career. So, yeah, let's let her do the do the job. Right. We won't have a, a an end bit of waffle um, at the end of this one. We're going to go straight out with Grant. Oh, oh, yes. Of oh, course. my goodness. We forgot. Fans of, fans of the podcast will know that we always end our shows with uh, the wonderful Grant Sharkey, who is a comedian stroke um musician or musician should i say stroke comedian um who uh who plays the wonderful song grow at the end of our podcast and not only have we got that today because i'll always end it with that song it's one of my most favorite songs in the whole wide world but we have secured grant to come to the conference and end the whole thing with a couple of live songs so Stick that in your pipe and smoke it, Natalie. Light, yeah, have you I mean? ever been to a conference that you get some wine at the end and you get to listen to some live music? Because I haven't. Oh, yeah. 
And if you've never, if you've ever seen Grant live, uh, he does tour all over the place. Um, so you might have, uh, you know what a treat that will be. He's only going to do maybe yeah. four songs for us, but um, they will all be great. And I'm definitely going to get him to do Grow Live. So there you go. So Amazing. without further ado, shall we delve inwards? Let's go! Ah, do come in, Mr. Dog. Thank you. Great to see you again. Yes. Take a seat. <clears throat> so I understand you've been having some issues in the park. Do tell. Oh, I don't know what's gone wrong in my life. I've always loved balls since the day I was a pup, and my mum always gives me one when I go out. But now, I want them all. Yes, I see. That really is a problem. Hmm. I could see how that could land you in some trouble, yes? And yes, I know, it's really, really hard But you can't just go grabbing bonies in the park, yo Well, Doctor Watts, what the hell am I supposed to do? Other rollers throwing balls right there in front of you The thing they'd know, I am a bloody border collie I need to break this cause I'm sick of being bully wally My prescription is to stick it off the puffer now Do some sniffing, take a break before you cause a row It isn't great to wander around all day this high when all is Said and done, I know you're just a hurdy guy But you can't just go grabbing bodies in the park No, you can't just go grabbing bodies in the park No, you can't just go grabbing bodies in the park But you can't just go grabbing bodies in the park, no Hola, I went Spanish Um uh, <laughs> Greeting Suzanne Rogers Hi, Sue Hello, I don't know if I can manage quite as an energetic hello as you did. <laughs> ah, it takes a lot these days. Oh, we've had Maybe if I pretend practice. you're a dog, I'd be like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's also, it's too hot for that sort of introduction because I've immediately started sweating and all I did was raise oh. my hands up. So, yeah, this has if been a hot British, hot British person is not conducive to um... yeah. anything, literally anything <laughs> at all. <laughs> Should we go a bit more conservative then? Just like... Good evening. <laughs> Good evening. Yeah, it's a very posh voice. So, um, well, first of all, thank you so much for um, joining thank us. You. We are thrilled and excited in equal measures. I think it's fair to say that, yeah? Definitely. And even better, just the fact that you're joining us in October and we've pinned you down is amazing. So thank you so much. I know you are an incredibly um, sought-after speaker and busy woman. So. Um, it's going to be good. We're going to have a good time together. Thank you for together. having me, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Just to clarify to the listeners, we haven't physically pinned Suzanne down. No, sorry, talking, no. No uh... violence. We're horse-free. <laughs> so, um, oh, I like the idea of that. So um, what we want to do is we want to find out a little bit about you, Suzanne. So um, could we, could we uh, ask you to, that horrible thing that people do when they ask you to sort of introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about what you do, where you've come from, all of these kind of ideas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, so... and perhaps, perhaps um, we need a suggestion for what you want your entry music to be like. You know, you need to choose a tune that we can put over your walking into the ring for the conference. When I was younger, it's definitely been like back in black or something, but that's oh, a bit too I love black that. for me now. <laughs> I like that. No, it's probably more Benny Hill or something. I don't know. 
the Laurel, Laurel and Hardy theme tune. <laughs> Somewhere in between those two. Yeah. Okay, we'll see what we can do. We do a mashup. <laughs> mashup of Back in Black and Benny Hill would be that would be something. That really would. Challenge Thanks accepted, so. Steve. <laughs> so, um, okay, yeah. Go for it. Go on then. Um, so I don't really know where to start. So um, I did an undergraduate degree um, in microbiology and I kind of went down that quite hardcore molecular biology route, wondering what I was doing there because that was never really the plan. I was always much more animally. I guess I had a vague idea of being a David Attenborough of microbi- microorganisms kind of going around and and finding them in cool places. But it turned out it wasn't really like that. It was more Petri dishes in manky places. <laughs> so um I worked in publishing for a while, um, scientific publishing, because I've always really liked writing and um, worked my way up in publishing world through different sorts of journals and ended up doing lots of biotechnology, kind of the good side of biotechnology, lots of environmental stuff and things like that, Um, but still wondered how I got far away from animals. So I re-qualified in behavioral welfare and um, started up as an equine behaviorist because I've always been really drawn to horses um then I had just been kind of promoted too quickly through publishing and I was doing as a in my late 20s what most people were doing their late 50s and I saw my life dragging ahead of me (laughs) thinking I don't want to do this forever um so I made the decision to leave and I was going to do behavior full-time but then I saw a job advert that said that they wanted a vet with international experience to run um, animal welfare projects around the world. And so I had no, I wasn't a vet. I didn't have much international experience, but I really wanted the job. So <laughs> I sent this really embarrassing begging letter, <laughs> kind of admitting to not having any of the must-haves um, and having a lot of really want. Um, and they kind of uh, interviewed me as a bit of a, uh, uh, what's it called? Red card. No, not red card. Something. Wild card. Wild card, card, yeah. (laughs) That's the one. The underdog. (laughs) Yeah. And then then I was really lucky and um, we just got on really well with the people and they employed me. So then I was in this amazing job of running the Companion Animal and Equine programs at what was then Whisper, World Society of Protection of Animals and is now World Animal Protection. And just thrown at the deep end, like going, like being told to go off to Cambodia and um, change the program around from being reactive to proactive so changing away from kind of a focus on education and then producing leaflets and talking at people um, to really involving them and of course there was a lot of animal stuff there as well so it's really thrown at the deep end but I loved it and just lapped it all up adopted some um, kind of mentors I remember going to Becky Way in Bristol University and saying I need to download your brain and adopt you <laughs> uh, and luckily she said yes and so uh, kidnapped her took her to uh, Nicaragua and sort of really oh, followed uh, her around by like, the way you of... can kidnap me anytime I'm just saying <laughs> if that's where we're going I'm with you <laughs> so I went off and then sort of downloaded her brain as much as I possibly could and, and adopted some other mentors along the way and in that process, I really realized that I love animal behavior, and but you can't do anything unless you really, really engage the humans, and it's all about the humans. Um, so whereas before I was imagined this animal, being an animal behaviorist was kind of thinking about like learning theory about how something developed and doing this kind of, you know, Columbo or, or sort of, uh, <laughs> you know, police job of detecting things and working out what was causing the behavior. It was much more sort of 
asking people not to do things with their animals and trying to yeah. let them see from the animal's perspective. And so that's when I realized that probably human psychology type approach um, and addressing the cause, not the symptom, would, would might be might be part of the answer to being a bit more effective. And so um, at Whisper, I was then given the role of doing that for all the programs, kind of taking things from a reactive to a proactive way of doing things, whether that was dancing bears in um, trying to end dancing, the use of dancing bears um, in India or changing the way that people thought about whales in Norway or um, working horses or dog population management issues. I kind of uh, um, applied that human element to all those species. And um, then I, um, so I worked there for ages. It was amazing. Um, then I decided to go it alone and I worked as a consultant doing the same thing, but for myself. Um, and then in 2016, I set up a conference because um, I also organised lots of events and I went to lots of events and I kept being a bit Harry Enfield, like I could do, I could do it better than that. Um, so I did better than that and learned lots about event organising um, and then decided to combine it and do a human behaviour change for animal welfare event. Um, and from there, there was so much passion and interest in it. We have people from all over the world coming to my hometown at the time of Dorking, which is so random. Um, <laughs> and so there was lots of real passion for it. So then I set up with Joe White, who I identified as another HBC geek, um, and we set up Human Behaviour Change for Animals. And so, the rest is yeah. history. Yeah. <laughs> wow, what a life you've had. That is amazing. Yeah. That's a bit long, but yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to start picking that. So so you so you 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 basically begged for a job and then they were like, <laughs> go to Cambodia. Is that did I did I get that yeah. right? Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> and other, other countries as well. It's amazing. I was sent all around the world, um, all the continents, Cambodia, but also Af- parts of Africa, parts of uh, the in Palis- the Palestinian occupied. Oh my gosh, I've got to get it wrong now on, on <laughs> like, recording. <laughs> the Palestinian territories. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, just loads of countries around. So that was fascinating because the different cultures are amazing. So in Cambodia, everyone's very sort of respectful. Um, in Colombia, I remember one of the rules we had to we asked them to set their own rules. We always ask people to set their own rules, and they said, "How about we should leave our guns outside?" <laughs> That's a really good rule. I've yeah, thought rule. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Country, it was like we should listen to each other, and I was kind of expecting that. Um, so yeah, we should leave our guns and drugs outside. I thought was that's the reason why you ask people and and ask them to come yeah. up with rules for themselves, yeah, um, rather than having it because we I'd should, we should yeah, we should uh, adopt that for the conference. I feel because Winchester has a very no heavy, guns uh, policy, gun issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. Here, here's an interesting question. Then just jump jumping in straight away. Do you find that sort of that kind of baptism of fire approach like I'm, I'm coming for this i want this job now oh my god i've got it you know like is, is that do you do you work well under that kind of pressure is that good is that good for suzanne rogers yeah it is that's that's what i thrive under and i think otherwise it's like if i'm oh my gosh you still see if i'm a, jumped in front of a massive audience that's kind of fine in a crazy way if i'm asked to record like three seconds with an actual big camera and then I can't even say the word animal, you know, it's like, <laughs> because I know you can do it again. It's just really ridiculous. Um, so in the same way, and I remember once I had a, a kind of a life coach or someone who wanted some extra hours 
uh, getting like some life coach experience. And I said, one of the things is I'm always leaving things at the last minute. Um, I'm always I always do that, and then I panic, and then I do it. And she said, really, you know, obviously in retrospect, well, has it worked? And I was like, yes, it's worked all the way through my life. I've mm-hmm. never missed a deadline, and I've never done anything really badly and she said well stop thinking about it then just carry on (laughs) except that's the way you do things um so I think sometimes you judge yourself on those kind of characteristics when maybe you don't need to yeah I think uh it's that you we brought this up actually or you brought this up obviously in your in the webinar that you did for us earlier in the year about the way the different way that people work and and not to beat yourself up necessarily about your style um, and I really took that away from that webinar. I remember that's something that really stuck in my brain. So I'll tell you something else that I wished I'd asked you then. I wrote it down earlier on today because um, I'd been sitting on it for a little while. So what is it about... So when when we're thinking about sort of um, getting involved with behavior change when it comes to our dogs, for example, or any animals for that matter... It's kind of accepted, you know, we can use positive reinforcement and all of these good things to to help elicit behavior change in ways, obviously a massive picture around that as well. But when you start thinking about like trying to use that, like with your partner or like something, it's that people tend to think it's a bit icky. Do you know what I mean? I've, I've written the word icky down here because I couldn't really think of a, I wanted to maybe like be manipulative or, but that word seems a bit harsh, but I wasn't, I thought icky was a better word to go for. But do you know what I mean? It's like people start getting a bit like, oh, hang on a minute, I'm being manipulated here. Or, or... Uh, yeah. Do you Have get you what I'm saying? Have you seen that the Big Bang Theory episode where Sheldon tries to use positive reinforcement with Penny to get out of his spot? With chocolates. That, yeah, yeah with I chocolate. have seen, I've seen clips yeah. of this, yes. I think that's kind of, that's the ickiness, isn't it? Yeah. Definitely, and I know that feeling because when I was a teenager, um, we lived out on the outskirts of Bristol and I always wanted to go into Bristol to meet my friends and do teenager-y things. And uh, my mum was always offering to give me a lift, which is much, that's 20 minutes rather than like two hours on the bus. And I was like, that's amazing. But then I realised that it said that she could trap me in a small space. (laughs) (laughs) She wouldn't have the opportunity to otherwise. And then suddenly I spotted all these kind of things. And because she'd done a psychology course, I was like, what have you learned now you're using something on me (laughs) stop psychologying me (laughs) so I completely understand that feeling um I think this is going to sound really wrong but I'll say it anyway I think there's more the the kind of way that we do you know the kind of positive reinforcement you know do that and I'll give you a treat um kind of work quite well with humans but it is a bit see-through but there's lots of more subtle ways we can do things I was going to say there's lots more subtle ways we can manipulate people which is true (laughs) but there's also lots of more ethical ways we can do it so I think that there's some top tips such as the way you phrase questions or Mm. just the way you kind of self have a pause and self-edit yourself and reframe something and and then make it come out a slightly different way those are things that feel a bit more uh, genuine and and natural Mm. Is it okay to, uh, obviously, those things, great, wonderful. I try with varying degrees to do those sorts of things in my life. Very varying degrees. Um, but would it also be okay to sort of like, uh, you know, rather than look at down the line of like, I'm going to try positive reinforcements sort of like on the down low, would it be okay to announce I am going to start, this is what <laughs> we're going to do, to, you know, every time that, you, I don't know, put the toilet seat down, there's a can of beer. I don't know, something like that, you know. <laughs> 
Would that be? Would that work? Are you hoping that Corin listens to this and implements that in I, your house? I'm actually really good at the toilet seat thing. I'm, I'm actually that's that's, that's something that I've nailed. Um, I, well I, I fall down in many other areas, but the toilet seat thing, I'm pretty good. But as a sort of analogy, would that be okay? Would that work? I think it depends on the context and the previous relationship with the person. So like in training dogs or training anyone, um, it's about that relationship and what framework and foundation you're doing it from. So in some situations, it might work. It might make someone a bit amused and quite grateful. In other situations, it, depending on your background and your previous experience with them and your previous uh, whatever you've done in the past, you might have some things to undo there. <laughs> um <laughs> you know, that really wouldn't work. So sometimes I might go, oh, that's not going to work. You think that's going to delete all the things you've done over the last, you know. <laughs> so um, I think it's all about context, isn't it? And that's the kind of cop-out clause for everything I, I know. Um, but it is about that, in slightly thinking about individual and what have you really got in front of you. And as behaviourists, it's so easy sometimes to think, I've done this, a similar case millions of times before, especially like with horses loading. And, you know, I know how to teach a horse that won't load into a trailer, into one that, into um, a horse that can and that's not difficult but they all need slightly different approaches to that um, and we always need to make sure that we deal with the individual in front of us and not kind of assume that something's going to work in the past so even if it's whatever the situation is I'm always still not making those assumptions and treating that as an individual situation and looking at what's going to work best um, so I think context is super important. Yeah, yeah, I kind of had an inkling that wouldn't be a yes or no answer. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm I'm taking over a bit here now, but I have got lots and lots of questions. Sorry. That's okay, you go for it, mate. That's fine. Um, although my mind's gone completely blank now about what my question was going to be. So if you have got another one, um, well, I was gonna I go was on. gonna say something about questions and say that Good that chat. kind of leaving your judgment at the door about uh, previous knowledge or preconceptions or all that stuff that's exactly comes back to your Cambodia uh, example doesn't it because if you if you don't ask that open question you don't get what could be a shocking uh, answer that you perhaps wouldn't have considered um, so I've uh, I, I really like asking about people's motivations for things so I've got a client at the moment for example uh, the dog is uh, uh, petrified at the vet um, and I could assume that that's just embarrassing or inconvenient or they're worried about their dog's welfare but um by asking and what is it specifically that you're concerned about you get to the actual real crux of it which is that um you know he's a guy on his own he wants to go away for the weekend uh, and go traveling um but he's tied to the dog because he can't get her to accept having her kennel cough so he can't put her in a, a boarding kennels and so that gives me a little bit more of an in with okay what you know what do we need for everybody's quality of life and welfare here um hopefully oh, that's a good example think, do you agree, agree. <laughs> yeah definitely because if you have lots of um the more you can open up the more the more problems almost the more opportunity for solutions and so if you ask people you know, why do you do this or why don't you do that? The knee-jerk reaction is always, well, often um, lack of time or lack of money. That's the kind of things we go to. Mm -hmm. You know, why don't you add this on into your life? Well, because I haven't got time and I haven't got the money. But that's so, uh, it's almost a cop-out answer because we all know that we can make time um, for some things. That's, you know, I know that that's not always true, but yeah. 
but it's often a prioritization issue. And so, but so if we, but so we have to ask more questions. So if we go deeper and say, well, how do you feel about that? Or if you have the choice between this and this and, and explore, and then you find it's not just time or money, there's all sorts of other reasons there. And once you've opened it up and got all those reasons, each one comes with its own solution. And um, so it's the same kind of thing, um, whatever you're doing, the more questions you ask, the better. And the other beauty about asking questions well, there's a few beauties. One is that it buys you time. So if, you, if you're thinking, oh, yeah. um, just ask a question. If you're stuck, just say, oh, could you tell me a little bit more? <laughs> what are your brain going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need to think of an answer here. Like so that's, that. a cheaty, that's a cheaty part. Um, but also I find that lots of people, especially early in their career, when you're learning about all the terrible things that people do to animals, they always imagine that when you go out there beha- um, pe- practicing as a behaviorist, um, people are going to kind of come up against you arguing about training methods and things. And they're quite worried about that confrontation. And I got a lot of people asking things about how do you kind of talk about things without condoning it? And sometimes people end up condoning things they wouldn't condone because they haven't thought about asking questions. And so for me, a way out of doing that or a sort of antidote is if someone's explaining something terrible, trying to control your face and not go, you what? <laughs> you <Yeah>. crazy? So <laughs> try to tone that down and say something like, um, and how does that make you feel when when that's happened or something like that? And then sometimes they say, actually, it makes me feel pretty terrible using that. Um, and I'd rather use something else. So sometimes that's as easy as it takes. There's a question of how does it make you feel or how do you think they feel or does that work um, or, or, and things like that? Or what do you do next? And so asking questions can um, be a really gentle way of helping people to explore things without telling them. Um, and it also helps you because then you're not condoning it. You're not saying by omission okay, I'm going to change the subject and go to something else. We'll come back to that later because that might sound like you just condone this awful thing they've done um, or awful approach they've used. Whereas if you ask them um, a question that's not directly against it, but explores it a bit more, um, you're not condoning something. And for me, that's quite important because it's, you know, we don't do anyone any favours by trying to avoid difficult conversations. And we certainly don't want to be condoning things that we're not condoning. Um, because they'll come back and bite you. <laughs> so, um, questions literally. Are a, great, yeah. <laughs> the questions are a great way of getting out of those situations. I, I love I, that that quote you you sort of just breezed through it there, but I had to write it down when I heard it. The more problems, the more opportunity for solutions. I love that. Uh, is that you? Isn't is that, isn't that an optimistic yeah. worldview? I love it. It is good. It is good. And I remember the question that I had uh, in the middle of that. That's classic me. That is. Um, <laughs> I and actually it kind of speaks to what we were just talking about actually um I think because c- where I come from the world of dog training and obviously Nat's more behavior I know the two are melding and you know moving moving they're both sides of the same coin in, in a way um I think that the thing that always fascinates me I think with trainers and sometimes what trainers can be a little bit guilty of and I'm not throwing everyone in in the same bucket here I, and I do include myself in this sometimes is when you get a little bit, because what what trainers tend to work on is is their their skill set. They're really interested in the skill the skill set and the knowledge because that's what we're passionate about. That's what we want to work towards. That's what we want to do. Um, but I don't think we are that good. Some are, some are really good. But I think we could do a lot more work on the other side of things, like the relationship building with guardians. Um, teaching skills is is a thing that a lot of trainers probably don't even look or even think about when they want to get into dog training. 
Um, so I think that sort of whole package is something. But I think when you're a trainer, sometimes you... So you were talking about the questions, questions, ask lots of questions. Love that approach. Brilliant. But um, I know that in some, in some sides of the kind of dog industry, you know, that there's that kind of phrase, isn't it? Like armchair sort of you know trainer that kind of thing where they which i don't like i've never liked that because sometimes that's appropriate sometimes you don't need to do that is it every every case is individual but get trying to get that balance right i think is really difficult because there's even as a trainer you're always dealing with those kind of issues anyway you know you need to know when to refer on and all of those sorts of things when it's out of your skill set but i think the biggest issue with trainers is especially when you're starting out is when you get that little bit of knowledge, you're like, oh, I can fix all of this with loose lead walking. Loose lead walking over here, loose lead walking over there. Oh, your dog barks at loose lead walking. Oh, your dog does it. <laughs> okay, that's a bit of a sort of like characterization of what happens. But it's that classic sort of like once you've got a hammer, everything looks like a nail, you know. And I th- I'm really passionate about from the training side trying to get that get us over that sort of thing not saying it's a huge problem but would would you agree with any of that mad ramble that just came out of my mouth <laughs> well I guess um there's for me at, at human behavior change for animals we have a kind of a three level approach whether that's a project or conversation or anything and that's first to understand something so first we need to understand it because otherwise we're not going to be addressing the right problem or we're going to be off get the balance wrong with giving people information to solve a problem they don't have because we haven't listened to them properly um so that's where the questions and things come under the understand section really but the next sections change and so that's when you do the change and and you're focusing on the change what's going to make the best change how to make the change and so on and then the last bit's impact so is it working what's happening and so for me you do all three so if you are only focusing on the understand mm. and then kind of presenting that back to someone and saying now we know the problem that's when you come into the danger of being labeled as an armchair expert because sure. you're never getting to the change bit whereas for me a project a strategy anything including a conversation so it should always include those three elements of understand change and impact even if impact's just making sure that someone's understood and has a slight few next steps that they should take home. And so, yeah, so I think all those parts need to come together and not just do one or the other. And certainly don't just leap in with change and miss out the understand part first um, because you might get it wrong. And just to add on to that, uh, I'm very aware I keep using the term dog owner. It's still not got completely into my natural way of speaking to think of guardianships, but I'm sure it really grinds when you're used to talking oh, about guardians. No, yeah, I, because I'm aware of no we're, not, we're not precious. We're just try- <laughs> It's really hard, isn't it? To, to when you yeah. you want to have a nice, genuine, relaxed conversation, but we end up saying words that we haven't quite practice not saying but we know what you mean it's... i'm better at not using the word it now because that really grinds for me oh, when i hear that's... people talking yeah especially if they know if they're a, if a boy or girl it's like well say yeah. you're talking about poppy who's blatantly a girl so say she and um, yeah. so i know that 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 kind of bugs me sometimes and i expect that there's sort of you know trigger words for other people so i'm aware of it but i haven't quite adopted it completely I'm, into my natural language <laughs> i'm really bad for it well i used to be really bad for it and it I, and it i hate when i use that i it just kind of slips out from time to time um and if I ever say it in front of Corinne, she'll hate that I'm telling you this. I, all i got to do is I know if I look to the side, her eyes will be boring a hole into my very soul um, if I say if The I beer say will that. be taken away. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I will get no beer. Um, uh, the, yeah, the only reason I use Guardian so much is because I made a real conscious effort when I was writing the puppy course 
to use it instead of owner. Um, so I've, I've just I've basically written a book with the content of that thing. So I've just done it over and over and over again. So now it just uh, it shows that it does work. It does you know behavior change <laughs> does actually work? But bits, but yeah. My I mean. my one is um uh and um humans and non-human animals. <laughs> But I really am only regimented with it when I'm lecturing at uni because mm. I want I just want to remind everybody that we're animals too. <laughs> and it's Definitely. too much of a mouthful otherwise to say non-human animal every time. Um, it's but, fascinating, isn't it? I often talk about um, sort of thinking about humans as animals because it helps. So often we're, you know, animal people. And so when we're thinking about an animal that's nasty, like doing nasty behavior we'd never say that the animal is nasty or the animal is horrible mm. we wouldn't say that but with people we because we'd ask questions we know that it was about their background we would you know think about what we can do to help them but we don't often say the same thing about people we give them a label so I'm often saying about think of humans as animals and then I realize that that sounds inappropriate sometimes yeah. <laughs> It just sounds like, especially to non-animal people. I remember we uh, we adopted a, a human child, mm-hmm. and um, I was like saying, "Oh, it'd be great because I, you know, I can train animals." <laughs> and, <laughs> and you know, oh, it's just like a horse; you have to have attachment. And then I was thinking, "Oh, this could this sound awful." <laughs> and so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's. Me, I think it's you get. You've got to have people. Animals are positive, so it's. Yes, a, you've got to have the right audience for those yeah. kind of um, sentences, haven't you? And I think. Um, also, I, asking questions is brilliant, but also um, not calling people out on things, but just n- the observations you make, mentioning about it and not feeling awkward about it. You know, I, I, my little niece, she's at that age where she's like, what that? What that? And I kind of, I, I, I try and <laughs> do that as much as possible when I've got clients. So if they're, I'm doing a lot of remote work at the moment. It's easy to just go, oh, can you show me around the house? And, you know, they give you a little tour. But actually what I need to be doing is going, what's that there? Why is that dog bed there? What? Or if someone show, you know, when we are able to go into people's homes, they say, right, show me where all this stuff is. And then you can go through it and go, well, what's this pet corrector? When do you use that? You know, what what made you buy that? And in a nicer way, obviously. But um, I think, yeah, we all need to be a bit more, bit more brave and a bit more what that <laughs> definitely and I think I'm so naturally not confrontational and um I'm so you know kind of con- not concerned for what others people think of me but very aware I guess um and I sometimes wish I'd had you know why didn't at school they teach you like lessons in how to adult you know lessons in how to <laughs> Um, complain in a restaurant in a way that won't get your food spat in but actually means you don't have to sit and eat something you really don't like um which yeah. I'd always be the latter <laughs> um so you know I think there's a lot of that and it's coming to me very late in my life about this adulting business um and uh, you know people but we could have taught people we can teach people this you can give people so many little tools that will really help in adulting and doing things like asking questions in the right way and I'd always be too shy to ask things and then I'd be like you know I just really wanted to know things I didn't because I didn't ask them and so now I'm now I do say things like you know don't if it's really just tell me to you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. not going to answer it but I'd be really interested to know something like that and it really works and it's a gentle way but that's easy to teach people um mm. but no one taught me I had to find out um through lots of non-adulting <laughs> through my 20s <laughs> and 30s probably um so yeah I'm finally getting there 
<laughs> it's really difficult, I think. Some people come, you know, almost straight out the box being super confident in those sorts of conversations and other people really have to, you know, they want to get into animal training and, and behavior because they love animals, but the human side of it is a lot more difficult. So getting those sort of people to uh, do things that shows them that it's okay to come out of your shell normally takes a lot longer, but I totally agree. Like schools, I mean, how like anything that they can do in, in those sorts, those ways that, help you build a bit more of a lot. I could have done with a lot of sort of like emotional intelligence training when I was younger, I think. Um, and, and also like when you are, this is what you're all about in, in a way, isn't it? But that when you also how to adapt the way you communicate, you know, on the, on the fly um, that I think those things, I think kids would really enjoy learning those sorts of things. I know it sounds a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Like um, adapting the way you communicate, but you know, use of role play and stuff like that. I think you could really get kids involved in that sort of thing and really teach them really valuable life lessons. But then, I, then again, there are fractions as well that also need to be learned. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I use my fractions every day. I once went on a course run by Mind, which was called Dealing with Difficult People. And it should have just been called Dealing with People. <laughs> because it's, it's it was literally that just having conversations without coming across as rude or you know confrontational um and i i think our job as when we work with our clients as well is to give them some of those skills that we know might work like <clears throat> giving them uh sort of stock phrases that we know might be useful when they have people that want to come over and touch their dog and they don't want them to, you know, just give them the phrase and ena enable them really and empower them to be their, their dog's advocate in those moments because they're the bits that get tricky. Yeah. So important. And I remember, um, you know, things like if you've got a very reactive dog, um, that can be so, you know, often the thing that people most struggle with is how other people perceive them or what they feel that they are look look like or what they come across like by having a dog that's you know tricky in that way and that's so sad but yeah you, it, as you said there are tools and ways that you could help get people to shout certain things across the thing you know across the field like yeah um, just give them top tips so they don't have to take at least takes away some of that embarrass embarrassment almost um or guilt or all the other things that go with it the myriad of emotions that you feel when you've got a dog that causes you to be a social pariah really um because it's hard living really with hard. that um i got really excited for a second then because when you said i i went to a course that was run by mind i thought you said it was run by a mime and i was like i just imagined sort of like you know walking <laughs> walking against the wind and like just just for a second i was like oh that sounds amazing <laughs> told you i could have done with some emotional intelligence classes at listen school. steve there's probably one out there mate because there is a uh unicorns and fairy tales course where you uh, Amazing. I'll, I, I'll send you details but you could pretty much do a training course in most things now uh, probably so one for you know getting concepts across through the medium of interpretive dance or something like that <laughs> now corin would be good corin at that good she at that. is a good interpretive dancer she would be down with that course 100 <laughs> percent Okay, quick fire question, uh, Suzanne. Uh, is it ethical to make up a story about your dog in order to provide an analogy? 
Oh, um, probably when you've just announced that you're doing that. <laughs> Never believe the words Steve just, says. Just out of the word, you know, just out of the, uh, just just off the top of my head there. Okay, good. It's good to know. That's good. Good. Right. Mark that down. Suzanne says yes. <laughs> okay. I've got another. I've got another quick fire question. Is it okay to uh, ignore for the sake of your own sanity uh behavior that goes on in the training world that you don't agree with that's not a quick fire question no <laughs> um i think it defines ignore doesn't it because there's certainly times and a place to respond to things um uh, and there's certainly some intelligence around when that will be effective or not and sometimes responding to things you might cause the opposite so there's something called ben's theory which is when you become more attached to things that you voice. Um, so if you almost give people the opportunity to sort of voice their side, that, that can be quite detrimental. And mm-hmm. so you don't want to give someone the, almost the stage in, in some situations to voice something because that's not going to help. It's going to get them more embedded um, and, and things like that. So I think there's a slight strategy there. It's like when you're at a event, for example, I've been in this situation and you're not happy with something, you really think that every bone in your body is saying, we've got it, I should be standing up and being some sort of heroic stopping the event person. Mm. Um, and that's so difficult. And you're almost wanting someone else to. Um, but what would that really achieve? If everyone there is the fans, you're just going to look like some nutter. Um, you know, and you have to really think about that. Um, so in the past, in that situation, I've gone to the organizers and said, I'm really not happy with what's happening over there in the ring. I have asked a sort of slightly controversial question but very very gently in the past um and that hasn't really worked because they just answer it with some warped mm. <laughs> interpretation of mm. you know that they're doing it because they believe in it so that, that that's that doesn't really work but that is a really difficult situation to be in um and so yeah i think there's mostly there's a time and a place and a way of doing things um although if you literally see someone murdering something but that's the that's the thing isn't it? that's when it's all about spectrums that are so annoying <laughs> because it just doesn't help to take it to the extreme sometimes and say you know what about if you saw someone murdering someone because generally that isn't the situation you're in um no. yeah but you might interpret it as that as quite a personal thing about ethics so there's no easy answer but i guess thinking carefully in case you make it worse is pretty key that's a really good answer. And I just, I know, uh, sorry to throw a very long-winded, <laughs> short, quick fire quiz. I just sorry. think it's something that I fundamentally struggle with really uh, as a real personal issue. I, uh, and it can change within a day or, you know, one one week I'm like, right, I should be doing more. I should be more activist and I should be going out there and fighting for what I believe in and I should, shouldn't stand for this and I should be calling people out on stuff. And then on the, and the next day I'm exhausted and I'm like, why did I do that? Now I just feel crap about myself. Um, I No one was listening anyway. Um, I should just concentrate on the good I can do and, you know, enact change within my own circle. And I just constantly swinging from both do you know what I mean (laughs) I think it's quite good that there are people out there who really do that though so I remember when we were working in animal welfare we were always quite sometimes we'd even strategically say with another group okay you go and sort of do the hardcore 
animal rights thing and say this should be completely banned. And we'll come in and say, we well, might not have to ban it, but you could really improve it. And that might be the first step to do something else. And so we need that. We literally strategize in that way oh. and work together. And people think you are against each other, but that's not always the case in these things. Sometimes okay. people are more, and organizations are more joined up and strategic than you think. And having that, um, you need the polar opposites to be able to have any progress in the middle bit. Um, and so sometimes it's a case of finding your niche in life. And if you are a polar opposite type of person that's really happy to go in and, I don't know, tie yourself naked or something else, that sounds really bad. Um, you know, but then go for it because there, there will be a role for that. And there's almost, and yes, that might have some negative connotations. It might put something back a bit. But at the end of the day, we need that range of people um, so that we can inch things slowly uh, up the curve or whatever, or down the curve, mm. <laughs> whatever it is. I've never thought for a second that people might do that, might strategize in that sort of way. Like, it never even occurred to me. Like, uh, that's really interesting. That makes absolute sense when you think about it. That's that's really clever, isn't it? Because, yeah, another quote, didn't write it down. But what did you say? You need the polar opposites to be able to change the middle. I like that. That's but, something like that anyway. <laughs> I'd love to give some examples, but I probably shouldn't because no, they're not no, no, meant sure. to be known because it's so clever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are literally examples of organizations working together that you you know come from slightly different places. That's fascinating. Quick fire question. Dogs or horses? <laughs> I don't know. I can't even say something middle, a middle creature between the two. Uh, <laughs> That's, that's Sophie's choice. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thought it might be. So, okay, bringing this round, I know we're running a little bit over what we said in terms of times here, but bringing this round to, so you are, we are thrilled that you will be joining us as a as one of our speakers at uh, our Connecting Communities Conference in October, um, October the 16th. Um, Tickets on sale now. <laughs> plug, plug, Sorry, it's uh, turned into like a, a tick of mine now. Sorry. <laughs> And am I right, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but you're going to be sort of like covering a little bit of these sorts of topics about how we can um, help in terms of communication and stuff like that with guardians um, and other people in the pet industry. Is that the kind of thing you're focusing towards? Yeah, some top tips and I'll give some examples. Um, so keeping it quite small, because what I really want is people to kind of have things that they can go and use instantly after the talk. Brilliant. Something super practical. Um and the best way of doing that is keeping it short and quick and memorable. So I'm going to try and do that. I haven't written the talk yet, so <laughs> I'll be as surprised <laughs> by the result as you will be. Amazing. Um, but that's the plan. Brilliant. Brilliant. Sounds great. We're really excited about the conference because uh, we think we're doing something a little bit different in terms of that kind of TEDxy type sort of like, you know, fast, fascinating um sort of talk so it'd be really interesting we should come to you but you were events organization yeah i know i'm nervous now yeah i was I mean, just when yeah literally when i was saying that at the beginning i was like oh no yeah <laughs> should be quietly judging us from from the seat <laughs> <laughs> yeah but if she has an issue she'll have to come to us as the event organizers so yeah. it could get awkward yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a good point that's a good point we have to give her a very good seat um <laughs> So um, anything you want to plug, Suzanne, anything coming up, anything on the horizon, anything you want to direct um, our bookshelvers towards that might be interesting? Terrible. 
uh, plugging, but I have just remembered because Nat's there that the book's coming out um, probably about the same time as the conference. So we're hoping to bring it to the conference. Um, Canine Behaviour in Mind um, is looking at different ways that we interact with dogs and thinking how we could do it in a more behaviourally minded way. Um, and Nat's one of the authors. And it's going to be awesome. There's a horse version already out there, which is doing really well. And so there's the book. Um, and also just check out Human Behaviour Change for Animals. We've recently expanded into Human Behaviour Change for Life because we're doing so much work in kind of conservation and nature connectedness that didn't quite fit under the animal category. Um, so, yeah, just check us out. And we're always keen to be geeks and talk to people and hear about your examples and just make contact. So check well, us out. That's great. Will you come on when the book's released and talk specifically about the book? Because that's what... After all, our podcast was all about what we, what we started about. So we do book review shows. So that'd be really. Oh, that'd really be awesome. Cool. And there's some really, really amazing chapters in there. Honestly, there are people who are just, just really, really wrote amazing things. And I was just, so I wrote, I read all theirs before I wrote mine. And I was like, I can't live up to this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you put together such a dream team. I remember getting the email and I was like, who? What? <laughs> me? You, me? what nice it's, it's fantastic it's gonna be great and it's what everyone's getting for christmas so uh well, that's good news. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> spoilers <laughs> i'm gonna sign copies <laughs> they'll, they'll be at the car boot sale the next day you but should, hey-ho. you should sign copies and i definitely won't be putting mine in the car boot so that sounds absolutely amazing well thank you thank you so much for thank agreeing you, to do this obviously we are really looking forward to october and the release of the book as well um um and i'm sure we have whetted the appetite of our listeners to come and see you in person live do a talk so um yeah irl in real life in real life so mm-hmm. thank you thank I you so much pants, have to wear trousers and everything won't we have to yeah well there's no rules we were, i'll be honest yeah we were thinking about this and actually we want everyone to just have a really lovely day so come in your pajamas if you want we don't care there's no dress codes uh we certainly will not be you know suited and booted we're not that kind of organization so you wear whatever you like note, <laughs> note, note to self cancel the tuxedo <laughs> you can. um i yeah. do have the zombie mermaid costume that i've been desperate to get out again <laughs> zombie mermaid yes. Right. Yes, please. If, if you don't, if you don't wear that now, I'm going to be so disappointed. <laughs> it would be a crying shame. Um, so we we do a thing, Suzanne, which is fake buy. So we're going to do a mm-hmm. fake buy. At which point, I will stop recording, and then we can hang around for a real buy at the end. So it's not awkward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So bye bye, okay. fake buy, fake buy, <laughs> thanks. Bye. Atoms collide, ourselves divide, just like they've always done. A spark of life, we multiply this ride, has just begun. That stretches back through all time 
Time guided by a primal desire to simply survive. Survive, you can't keep it down. And it won't be kept out 